Hey guys, Maury here. Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to take a minute to just talk to you about what you're about to hear in this episode. Given the conflict in the Middle East and what is happening between Israel and Palestine and the conversations that it's sparking around the world, Melissa and I felt really strongly that we wanted to focus this episode on the concept of discourse and specifically respectful discourse. We both feel really strongly that the division that is happening in the way that we have these conversations is only adding to the energy of conflict instead of the energy of peace, which is what we are all after. So this episode is going to focus on discourse and how to have that conversation in a respectful way. And as part of that, what we talk about is that if we are not experts in the nuances, the history, the geopolitics of this issue, it's really important that we stick to what we know while educating ourselves. So Melissa and I make every effort to focus this conversation on respectful discourse without going into the nuances and details and facts around the conflict because we are trying to model exactly what it is we're asking others to do, which is stick to what they know. And for me as a coach, what I know is how to get people to be honest about the way they're feeling and to talk to each other without judgment. That said, we also feel really strongly that we all need to educate ourselves about what's happening in Israel and in Palestine and what has been happening for decades. And so to that point, you'll hear Melissa mention a podcast that she listened to that was a very respectful dialogue between two experts that disagreed on Israel and Palestine, but that shared really important facts and nuance and history. And so I would just like to say that I strongly recommend that you listen to that podcast as a complement to this episode, knowing that in this episode, we will not be getting into those details, but that those details matter and they're important. And that episode, that podcast that she mentions is called Conversations with Coleman. It is between Coleman Hughes, who's a writer, a podcaster, an opinion columnist, and he specializes in issues related to race, public policy, and applied ethics. And he brings on his show, Yusuf Munier, who's a Palestinian-American writer and political analyst who has been the executive director of the U.S. Campaign for Palestinian Rights. These are the kinds of experts that I believe we need to be listening to to educate ourselves. And I hope that you do take a an hour, uh, if you're interested, in listening to that dialogue between those two men as a complement to the conversation Melissa and I are just about to have about how to have discourse with each other when you disagree without judgment and while maintaining respect. Enjoy the show. It's like we're waiting on Taylor Swift's statement right now on what she thinks about what's happening in Palestine and Israel. And it's like, why? Why? You know, and I get it. It's about support. It's about raising awareness. With a public platform. Yes, exactly. But I think we've gone too far. Welcome to Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury Fontanez. And I'm Melissa Grushka. Today, we're going to have a serious discussion. We're going to actually have a conversation about conversation. Are you ready? I'm ready. I think it's important.
I'm Melissa. Hello, Lori. I think I should just, uh, from the top here, just be upfront about why I sound like a congested toddler. It's our cringe moment. It's our collective. <laughs> the collective cringe is while our while we were prepping for this episode, which is about having healthy discourse in which you dis, healthy disagreement. Maury and I got into a healthy disagreement and I started crying because <laughs> I like to cry. <laughs> anyway, I, I believe that we had a healthy outcome and we resolved it enough to be able to do this podcast right after. It show, the fact that you and I even got into a conversation that was so heavy shows how, yeah. ha, how the world is feeling right now, given these really insane times that we're living through and given yeah. the conflict in the Middle East and which I was realizing is like just coming on the tail end of like this, the world just getting over COVID, which we're not even over yet. It's just a heavy, heavy time. And there's a lot of divisiveness and a lot of opinions and a lot of anger, it feels like. So we thought it was a really important time to give some suggestions or some thoughts on how to um, converse with one another again, like human beings. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to see eye to eye to be able to have a conversation. We should be able to share our thoughts safely and freely without being condemned by your friend or your uncle or your neighbor. We just, I feel like we've lost touch a lot with how to be decent human beings. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. I um, also think that it's profoundly more noticeable because we are disagreeing on social media where we can disagree without a face and a name and an identity and we can get so righteous in our views but also aggressive about what we hurl at the other person when they don't agree with our views that you know now we're in a time where people are afraid to speak up i mean i'll say this we talked about this when we were planning the episode and thank you for being so honest i think you know i actually loved what happened for an hour before we recorded today because it literally proved why this is so hard. Why is it so hard to have productive public discourse about things like what's happening in in Israel and Palestine right now? And it's because there are real genuine feelings that we all have beneath them. And it's hard to stay centered and grounded and rooted and neutral when you're having a really hard feeling. So I think you and I just went through that, Bean, and I think it actually helped us get real instead of coming on here and giving like bullshit ideas about how to stay neutral like we just had an embodied experience of how hard that is so a lot of empathy for those of you out there that are having lots of big feelings a lot of people are triggered right now around the world for lots of good reasons and when we're talking to each other from a triggered standpoint It's going to be hard to stay grounded, but I do think we have some ideas on some rules of engagement we want to share that at least make us respect each other and be loving when right now the world just needs love and not more anger at one another. Yeah, I think that respect word is really critical. I think that's what's been lacking a lot lately is just like a general respect for humans, you know, even for those who have extremely opposing views, like you can still speak to people in a respectful manner when you disagree. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to say, I wanted to talk about this personally because I have a lot of clients who are in the public eye and I've spent the last few weeks in sessions with them just 
processing what role they should play, what they should say, how afraid they are to speak up right now because of all of the incoming. I mean, I have clients getting death threats because of the things that they post and, you know, losing opportunities, losing, you know, people are talking about losing jobs. I mean, it's gotten to this heightened state of everyone is in either fight or freeze, I think. And I think that the, the, like, Feeling beneath that is fear. Everyone is really afraid and choosing to process it in different ways. So I'm interested for the sake of this episode on what are the conditions that create an environment in our culture right now that really makes discourse hard and it takes it from debate and disagreement to vitriol and hatred and like I mentioned, you know, death threats being sent to people. Like what's going on in our world that is allowing that to happen? And I'm going to talk about, you know, from all of the things that I've read and understood what some of the leading thinkers think about this. But I just want to ask you before I even get into that, what do you think is happening that's allowing for such vitriolic disagreement? I think first and well, I don't know if it's first and foremost, but I think social media plays a massive role in all these keyboard warriors, in addition to people who have truly deep feelings and perspectives on this. I just think that it kind of, I think the social media in some ways broke down the the ways in which we research things that we believe in. I think that people feel really empowered hearing a couple lines here and there from somebody they follow that they value their opinion. And And I think they sort of run with that and they use these sound bites and then that becomes their entire platform and then their followers. It just is reaching the masses in ways it didn't used to before. I I think a lot of people who 30 years ago before social media would not necessarily even always have had an opinion as strongly as they do now because it wasn't in their face as much as it is now. It's just constantly promoted. It's constantly out there. And I pretty firmly believe that in more recent years, this world, I don't think COVID, I think COVID had to do with it. We have become more divisive, more separate. There has been more of a lack of unity in this world than ever before. I know every generation feels that, but it really, really feels that way now. It feels really isolating. I don't feel that like we are one kind of vibe Mm -hmm. any longer. Mm -hmm. And I think it just makes people angrier and go further on the spectrum in their direction. I think there's also a lot of extremism out there. There always was. And I think that their voices are getting heard louder and louder and louder, the extreme right, the extreme left. And it's kind of almost becoming so loud that it quiets all the people in the middle who could Mm -hmm. maybe agree on certain points or even agree to disagree in some Mm -hmm. ways. I'm not saying that agreeing to disagree can solve wars, I'm saying that there there would be more room for discussion and hopefully kindness if there wasn't such extreme people spouting everything all the time. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I don't really know. <laughs> no, I I mean, I think that you articulated the majority of the view on this from collective thinkers who are talking about it. So I oh, want to talk so. about kind of three reasons why a lot of this is happening today. And then I have, I want to add my own, my fourth, just from my view of how we process things. So, okay. The first one really being that we are living in a sound bite world. So we are constantly barraged with headlines. And if you think about 
Instagram, for example, you're seeing a headline and then there's maybe two or three paragraph captions. A lot of people are getting their news from the headline and those captions. There's not a lot of clicking through to read the entire article. You know, we are getting so many snippets of information that me, for example, I am ADHD. So that collectively, I think, is growing in terms of just our attention deficit to being able to sit down and take in long form content. The way that I address it so that I'm educated is I just listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of books so that I can go deeper. But we live in a soundbite economy, right? So whatever you can do to get people to pay attention, that soundbite is what's going to work. And unfortunately, then everyone is an expert based on the caption or the soundbite that they've read. And I think there's a level you just alluded to of expertise being projected from people who are not experts. One of the things that I joke about, you know, I've talked about this a lot. Like I come from crisis management. I've written a hundred statements for people. And I was talking to a friend who's in the same kind of realm in Hollywood. And we were talking about how people are like waiting for celebrities to make statements. Like we're waiting on Taylor Swift's statement right now on what she thinks about what's happening in Palestine and Israel. And it's like, why? Why do we need Taylor Swift to tell us what, you know? And I get it. It's about support. It's about raising awareness. With a public platform. Yes, exactly. But I think we've gone too far. And so I think that like one, sound bites, but two, expertise. We don't value expertise as much anymore. And everyone is an expert. Everyone is giving a statement and a perspective. And how does that then really dilute facts and truth and history? I mean, history, particularly in this conflict, is long and nuanced and complicated. And so it's hard to take it and mash it into, you know, a five-second soundbite And I think that sometimes when we see people as experts who aren't experts, then that adds to it. And then another reason you talked about is just divisiveness in general being accepted. And a lot of articles and reporters and researchers talking about the way that discourse changed with the Trump administration, the way that public discourse changed in the way that Republicans are having far right Republicans, I should say, discourse right now. You know, so much of what Trump introduced into our dialogue is finding ways to not agree on the topic or disagree on the topic, but to like shine a shiny light over here by doing name calling and distract, right? Like right. creating distractions by throwing names at people and and being just really abhorrent in a way of not trying to have the actual conversation, but change the topic and make it about attacking the other person's persona, personality, right. values. And then that has created this notion that like people aren't humans anymore. We're not looking at human beings with hearts and souls and feelings. We're categorizing them. We're labeling them. We're throwing insults at them, which dehumanizes them and makes it easier to then hate them. And even in our own country, that's what's happening with our discourse. The left and the right have found ways to use language that makes the other side not feel like human beings, but like monsters. And that's also happening in the conflict that we're seeing in the Middle East, right? Like we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism, which is so dangerous because now all of a sudden we're talking about a group of people in a way that is dehumanizing. You're seeing the same thing happen with Palestinians. You talk about them like they're not human, then it doesn't matter as much. So language 
And the way we use language really matters. And it's part of what's creating such a divisive world right now is that we just have forgotten that we're human. And a lot of that has to do with what happened here in the US and what Trump introduced into the zeitgeist around discussion and narrative and how we talk to each other and how we disagree. That's really fascinating because I actually always, I, I often go back to Trump and how the dynamic of the country shifted under his reign. Rule. <laughs> so it's fascinating to hear that actual researchers and other people are really saying that that impacted the way the entire world communicates with one another. And I have to be honest, totally honest, I am guilty of this as well. Like during, I felt really divided from Trump supporters. And I yeah. felt that there was no common ground that if you supported that, there is no way we can see eye to eye. And I know of people in right. my life who I adore, who I just ignored the fact that they most likely supported that. Right. But the people who I didn't adore and I didn't know, I sort of, I guess, dehumanized them myself. And I would right. be like, no, like we, if they don't understand what I'm saying, like there's no way they can have a heart or a soul, but it's not true. Everybody has a heart and a soul. And we all feel different things and we all need to, I think, just give each other a little more grace. And I think that this, with this war in particular, there is so much nuance. I mean, this is like, there's just so many aspects of this that people have to factor in when you're viewing someone else's perspective, you mm -hmm. have to factor in what they're bringing to their own table. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's not a personal attack. Well, it can be a personal attack. But you have to just at least gain an understanding of their perspective. You do not have to adopt their perspective. You can feel free to engage and tell them why you feel their perspective is incorrect, inhumane, in anything. But you cannot tell them that they cannot have a perspective. Right. And I think that what I don't think either of us is saying is that we're not saying there's not a right and a wrong in this. We're not no, saying that there's not. not a way to actually go about this in a way that creates actual peace. But I think what we're saying is we are not the geopolitical experts to talk about it, nor are right. most people who share a view on it. And that said, and I agree with people who say this, there's certain human rights that we have to all stand up for. And yeah. I think that using your voice, we're going to talk about some solutions I think I have, and one of them is taking action. Using your voice around human rights is essential. I, I, we are not advocating, I want to make sure we're clear, for silence when you're seeing any kind of atrocity in the world. I think what we're saying yeah. is, right now, the way that we are so hateful with one another when we disagree isn't actually going to solve humanitarian crises. It's actually adding to it because we're putting more energy Absolutely. of being divided and, and hating one another out there. The other thing that I thought was interesting that came up when I was looking into this is the role that Russia has played in our discourse here in the United States and undermining civil discourse and what a strategy that is to create disruption in a civilization 100%. that you want to disrupt. So there's a lot of people pointing to during that Trump era, also the role that Russia played in creating bots and trolls in social media that just get people to fight with one another. So I just want people to be clear, that is a strategy of divisiveness that is happening from a government that wants people to be divided. And let's just be clear, when we see that kind of hatefulness out there, sometimes it's a bot, you guys. Sometimes it's happening totally. to try to make us angry with one another. And that has a purpose. And that purpose is that when you're divided, you are susceptible to 
all kinds of things. So I thought that was really interesting. My thing that I want to add to this from from a personal growth standpoint and from a coach perspective is I also think that we are not taught how to process our feelings. And we repress our feelings and or misdirect our feelings a lot. And when we are scared, uh, it is easier to go towards anger. It is easier to act out and lash out sometimes than it is sometimes to just sit with the fear and try to get to the root of the fear and own the fact that you're in a fear state. And so I am advocating because I said everyone just needs to do the thing that they're the expert in right now. And for me, it's helping people self-actualize. So in this dynamic right now, what I am advocating for is make sure you're going within and really understand how you're feeling. What are the feelings you're having? In addition, we can't tell anybody that they don't have a right to an opinion on anything. But if you're going to have an opinion and you're going to make that opinion public, I highly, I would highly advise that people really do the research and not just wait for Taylor Swift's announcement. And people are really hearing from all sides and doing reading and podcasts and everything. And that's super time consuming. And I understand that in this busy world, we don't all have time for that but then just don't speak to it. Don't go on your platform and start spouting all these facts that you heard from some other person that you didn't fact check and you have no clue if what they're saying is correct. You know, we're getting fed so much information every single day. And just another sidebar, back to your point about the um, social media and us listening to what other people are saying. We had an episode where I think you've referenced it many times where we are building people up on social media so hardcore now. Like we take these people Mm -hmm. and they become these idols. And then I think because of that mentality of these people are like demigods, when they say three sentences about this conflict or any other conflict, you cling to it because they in your mind are these like genius Mm -hmm. above human Mm -hmm. beings and you cling to that. And I think it's important that people not only do their own homework, but make sure the people that you are looking to are also doing their homework. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I actually think that the reason that we trust so many spokespeople is because we don't trust the news anymore. And the news has become hard to trust for lots of reasons. And it's also because the news has become divided and politicized. So you don't never really know when you're getting a balanced perspective. That said, I think What I'm saying is almost the prerequisite to what you're saying around go do your research, understand an issue before you speak about it. I completely agree. We do not need like headline experts out there anymore. We're good. We know what everyone thinks. We need people to be educated. What I'm saying is before that, though, what I'm saying is I think we are not trained or taught how to really just be with our feelings about something first. And what we do is immediately go to how we're going to project and, and yeah, how we're going to speak about something outward. And what I'm advocating for is let's first just acknowledge how we feel on the inside because, and this is important, when you are disconnected from your own self, your own feelings, therefore your own humanity, it is impossible to connect to other people's humanity. So it is easier to see others as not human because you're not taking the time to actually connect with the emotions that make you human. 
And I really believe that not just talking about fear and how afraid we are is allowing people in power to play on people's fear and radicalize them and tell them that if they don't dot, 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 whatever is happening, if they don't believe this, then the world's going to end the way that they believe that they're afraid of. Or if they're afraid that they are different, they're absolutely right. They are different. People are coming after you because you're different. That's how power structures radicalize people is by playing on and preying on their fear. And I think that as a collective, if we can actually be more honest about what's happening inside of us and the fear, the sadness, the grief, the terror that we're experiencing, and just get with that, get real about it, own it, talk about it, talk to other people about how you're feeling, listen to how they're feeling before you start debating the topic. Let's start talking about the feelings and then talk about the the topic that is eliciting the feelings. I think we can have a more rich human-to-human connective dialogue that way when it comes from getting in touch with that. I really love that because it immediately humanizes someone. You enter, if you right. immediate, if off the bat, you're like, listen, I feel scared. I feel angry. I feel these things. It immediately puts an emotion with the being in front of you where it's so easy right now to just I don't even know. The, I don't even have the language. It's so overwhelming. I have a question though, really quick backwards. Yeah. Can I go backwards? Please. When you said that a lot of your clients, so I have really mixed feelings on this and I'm sitting over here saying, don't listen to these idols on the internet and don't, don't, yeah. don't. But I will say truthfully, I go back and forth where sometimes I'm like, why hasn't this person yeah. said something yet? And I don't know how to fix that in my own mind and, and feel peace with that because sometimes I do think as when you have a public platform, you need to use it. Whether yeah. it's what I agree with or not, you are in the public for a reason. But then there are other times when I'm like, you're in the public like because you're an actor. Like I'm yeah. just going to look at you as an actor right. and I don't need you to tell me your stance on war because it, it won't, it, it won't, change your skill as an actor. It might change how I feel about you as a human, but it's not going to change my enjoyment watching you on screen or whatever it is. But then the other times I'm like, you need to speak up. Like you're the one who has the platform, which is the correct answer. Mm, That's such a good question. Here's what I've been advising. Yes. I think everyone needs to stay in their lane on this one. Meaning Stick to what you do and what you know and how you can utilize that expertise to help people. So to your point, I was thinking about Live Aid in the 80s, for example, right? This is a very different thing. But rock stars, musicians using their skill set to, one, raise awareness and to raise money. Money, okay? I think that the thing to do if you are not a geopolitical expert, an academic, you know, all of the categories that fit into you've spent your life researching and understanding this and have an actual solution. If you fall into a different category, but you have influence, use the thing that you do that you're good at to influence just the humanity of this. Meaning, is there resource that needs to be, is there money that needs to be raised to aid in a humanitarian crisis that's now coming from war that comes from every war, right? Like civilians get killed. So that's where I think we need to be putting our focus is how do we just make sure children, families, elderly in these countries are just cared for right now with the resources that we can raise? That's where I think we can play a role with 
the 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 lane that we're in. So what I've been saying to those clients is you don't need to like make a political stance if you're not educated on this. Please actually don't do that. However, do focus on humanitarian crisis. Do focus on what can happen to that you can do to to help people. And we're going to talk about action and actually in the show notes we're going to link to some causes you can donate to that are not about political leanings, but about how do you just help victims who are suffering right now? Does that answer your question? I think so. And I just, another thing that came to me was maybe offering up some other form of media or something that you've read interesting lately that is, can give perspective on both sides, because I think that is a real major piece that's missing. in a lot of this is that we cannot, we are like, have our hands over our ears and we're in these echo chambers and we are not at all giving perspective or shining a light on anyone who disagrees with us, even a, a tiny bit. I actually just listened to a really good podcast. You know what? We should link it in the notes. It is regarding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It is a very well done, healthy discourse about with two people who are very educated in the area and fundamentally disagree. I mean, fundamentally on almost everything. And they are able to sit and share facts Mm -hmm. and share opinions and say, nope, that's not what I was saying. This Mm -hmm. is what I meant. And they got off the, there was no resolution. They Mm -hmm. didn't get off the conversation being like, great. Well, now I see eye to eye with you. They simply shared their perspectives. And then I had the opportunity to listen to two well-educated, well-spoken people on very different ends of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. give lots of advice, not not advice, give lots of facts, facts, give facts, facts, give lots of opinions, give lots of things that, and I could truly, even though there was one side in particular that I may not have sat with as well, I was truly able to hear what was being said because it was being said without judgment. Well, I mean, there was a little sass there, but it was being said in a mostly respectful way that I was truly open to both sides in that moment. I'm going to link it in there. We should definitely link it. I think it's a great podcast for people to really get for this war in particular, hear both sides and the fears from both sides and the concerns and which is another thing that I think everyone should be doing right now is really understanding everything. Yeah. I think that you, in talking about that dynamic that really affected you, actually pointed to something that I wanted to mention that I had forgotten about when I was talking about diagnosing this. I think that when we're feeling so strongly, we need so badly to recruit people into the way we feel so we feel supported in our feelings. And so it becomes less about listening to understand and more about convincing. convincing. And listen, I get it. There's right and wrong in the world. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. And if people are advocating for harm, yes, I understand the feeling of we have to make sure you understand that this is creating harm. Full stop. Agreed. However, I think that part of the reason we get stuck in like vitriolic dialogue is because we're not listening to hear. We are listening to try and come back with a point that's going to move the person to our side, which actually does the opposite. However, if we actually were listening to hear, it's more likely we will move ourselves and the other person because we're coming from a place of empathy. But if you're focused on just recruiting them into your side and your way of thinking, then they're going to shut down because it's not about them. It becomes about you. 
and about what you need out of the conversation. And I really believe that's why we get so stuck because we're trying to recruit instead of listen to understand. And it's like creates this immediate defensiveness among the person you're trying to recruit or vice versa. That's right. And and when you're defensive, we all know even from uh, simple little arguments that we have at, at home or whatever, that um, when you're defensive, you you really are shutting down in a lot of ways. And that's what's happening around this gigantic conflict. It's not this isn't like a who took the trash out and who didn't. This is like right. a massive worldwide conflict right now. Well, let's own it. I mean, you and I had a debate before we got on because we see certain things differently and we agree on a lot of things when it comes to the conflict. But you said something that was so important. You said you hurt my feelings. And the minute that I heard you say that, I thought, what the hell am I doing? That's not the point at all. I don't want to hurt my best friend's feelings. I want to hear her and, and register her feelings and I want my feelings to be heard. And I think once we started talking about how we both felt and it was about like, I feel you, then it's like, I don't, okay, I don't need to convince her of anything. She feels me. Then that level of empathy, I think, just allows you to feel the connection again. And that is what we need. We need to be connected. The more that we're divided, the more this shit continues to occur. So I just wanted to say to you, saying just vulnerably, you hurt my feelings, so important. Because then it just recenters you and like, oh, no, your feelings matter to me. Let me just take a break and like make sure I'm connected to that. Funny that you just say that because you're right. Now that I'm thinking about our little our altercation that we had, we started off, I think we were both on the defense right out of the gate. Yes. Like when we realized we were at an impasse, we both got our got our back. What what is it? What's the saying? Cackles up. Cackles? I don't know. What okay. well, we first started arguing and I realized that we both were not agreeing and we're we're best friends. So we obviously already have empathy and respect. And shared values. We clearly have shared values. Very shared values, almost, almost across the board. Yeah. But we, when we noticed that we were butting heads at this one thing, we both sort of got, we both shut down a little bit. And it wasn't until I will say you were the one who softly approached me. I had to actually remove myself and just take a, like a breather in the other room. And when I came back, you definitely use that time also for a little self-reflection and you approached me much more gently. When I left that moment, I didn't feel good. I didn't feel like this was, I didn't want to talk about it anymore because I saw that it wasn't productive. We weren't getting anywhere. And the second that I came back and you approached me more softly, I softened, all of my defenses went down. And again, just a reminder, this is my best friend. Imagine if I didn't like you. Imagine yeah, if we exactly. like came into this with massively opposing viewpoints. Yeah. Like it would have been disastrous. But you softened, I softened. We were able to even almost agree to to disagree, which is again does not always solve things, but it was a healthier version of the conversation we had just had by seeing the human in one another, by me saying, You hurt my feelings, and you saying, I never I only want to be a safe space for you. I, yeah. I never want to call to cause anything, you know, of that nature. And then I felt much more closure at the end of that version than I did at the end of the first version. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we shouldn't take for granted for people who don't know us. And the reason that we wanted to have this conversation is that Melissa is Jewish. I am Middle Eastern. So just to be clear on why the two of us care so much about discourse, especially on this topic, is because it's it's alive for both of us and both of our bodies. And we've been navigating this best friendship and 
watching what's happening in the world and talking about it and wondering, oh, why can't people talk about it? And we just had an experience of why it's so hard to talk about it because your feelings get flared up and you want to be validated in your feelings. And I think yeah. to your point, once we validated the feelings, then we yeah. were able to have a more gentle conversation. So, And we're not fighters. Like you and I tend to, like we've no, had we maybe, fight. I can count on one hand how many times we've had arguments. This like yeah. goes on to the one hand, but yeah. it happens. And it happens. And it, it, like extrapolate it. Should that, should we have been enemies? And had right. no common ground. Like right. I, I can't. Of course, we would be extreme. Yeah. Then it's but hate. We need to take it down. Exactly. But we just need to take it down. Everyone. Yeah. I know that's very kumbaya and much easier said than done. Right. I can totally appreciate that. But I think you've given some like actionable steps. Hopefully, even removing yourself occasionally. In fact, I think that the actionable items are so critical. Normally, I do the wrap up and I like to tie it up with a pretty bow. But I think that this is such a critical conversation that we're having. I feel like I could talk about this for another seven hours um, that I really want you to very clearly list out ways that people now today can be more open to having a conversation in a healthy and safe way. Okay. Yeah. Good. Number one, check your level of thinking you're an expert, please. Really, <laughs> really. Make sure that if you're going to state something, you have really taken the time to learn about it. I think we have too much false information out there, and that's just really dangerous. So just check the way that you come across as an expert um, if you're not one. The second one that I just wish everybody would be okay with is that we have to embrace and. It doesn't have to be yeah. or. It can be I feel this way and you feel this way, and both things are true. And in fact, in one human being, there are multiple truths that coexist. So and is really, really important. Let's just try to abandon or and get to and. I think that I already said this. Number three, let's watch our language. Let's watch the way we dehumanize one another with language, labels, things that we believe subconsciously about other people that come out when we're upset. Just using words that are respectful is so important when we're having disagreement and dialogue. Really checking in, number four, how do you actually feel? And can you talk about your feelings first? Can you lead with your feelings? Can you be honest about how this is making you feel? And then five, allowing for empathy in return. How is the person across from me actually feeling? more than what am I trying to convince them to feel. You can't convince them to feel something, particularly if you're not first registering where they're actually at. It's like ridiculous to expect that they're going to meet you where you're at if you don't right. care where they're at. And then the last thing is channel these really hard feelings into action. That's what I've been doing. And I've been doing it in multiple ways. We're going to link to some causes that we've both donated to that, again, as I was saying earlier, are about addressing a humanitarian crisis that is going on in the Middle East. But whatever action feels right to you, after you've educated yourself, use your voice to take action. Sometimes channeling it into productive action can be really effective to also help you with your own feelings and just making sure that you are really focused on what you can do from your unique space in the world, not trying to reach over and be something that you're not, but from your unique vantage point, 
What's the action you can take? Those are my tips. Those are great. Those are super great. I was just thinking there's probably also plenty of people who are feeling all of these feelings, but not comfortable taking action Mm -hmm. or people who are confused about where they stand Mm -hmm. and still don't want to take action because they aren't set this way or the other way. Even like regular old self-help, like write it down, get it out, write it down. Don't keep it in. All this resentment is building, building, building because people aren't sharing. People aren't emoting. Yeah. I did want to also, in case people are listening and don't end up checking our notes, because I know that sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, I'll check that. And then you don't. I really, really, really respected this conversation that was had. So I just want to say the name of it in case anyone's listening and doesn't go check our notes. It's called Conversations with Coleman. And mm-hmm. on October 28th, he did a podcast with uh, Yosef Munayar. And I just think that they both were so well-spoken and completely opposite ends of the earth in terms of their beliefs. And I just think it was really informative and I really encourage people to check it out. Will you text that to me? I'm going to listen to it today. I sure will. Yeah, I love that. Bean, Bean. I love you so much. I love you so much. There needs to be more love. I know. I'm so glad that we did this, even though if we're being honest, we both had a ton of trepidation about recording this episode, given Mm -hmm. what's going on out there in the world. But I wanted us to not add noise to the narrative, but to just add some sanity around how we can just hear each other. That's, I think, the takeaway from this is let's just hear each other. Let's embrace each other. That's what the world needs is more embracing. Embrace you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Have a good week, everyone. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of Signal, the podcast that raises your frequency. This podcast is co-hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and Melissa Gushka. Special thanks to my production team, Anushri Thekadeh, Arman Kassam, and Anais Islami. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. See you then.